Last episode, I told you about our new sponsor, Acre Gold, the new subscription platform for gold. This isn't just a brand that believes in us. It's a product that I believe is important. There's a lot of uncertainty with markets and having gold is important in case shit really hits the fan. Acre lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold straight to your doorstep every few months. You are putting money into a different format that will increase during shitty times compared to any bank account or paper money. This is something I wish I did in the last recession. To encourage you to invest in yourself, we are running a contest. First 100 people that send their subscription receipt along with their name and address will get a Ben Baller sticker sent to them as a gift from us for being smart. Here are the benefits of Acre Gold. It's affordable. You don't have to pay out of your pocket all at once. It's convenient. Physical gold bars mailed to your doorstep. Acre branded gold is the highest quality designed in California and minted in Switzerland. Subscribe for just $50 a month, and now there's even a $30 per month option. Once your gold stash reaches the price of a 2.5 gram acre gold bar, they will discreetly ship you your gold. You're in control. You can easily cancel or modify your plan to suit your needs at any time. Find out more by going to getacregold.com backslash baller. Make sure you go to that URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar for the month of March if you tweet why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. Acre is the sponsor of this Behind the Baller podcast episode. Getacregold.com backslash baller. Yo, what up, everyone? You are now listening to Behind the Baller podcast. This is called Behind the Baller because we go deeper into who I am. And we talk less about jewelry and more about being a dad, a husband, and a businessman. This is a business podcast where I drop free game. My name is Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. I used to have an ego, but now I'm perfect. But yo, what's really, really, really good? This is episode 67, and we got a big, big guest on today's show. My friend, model, actress, and artist, Lauren Sai. I think she talks more here than she ever has on any interview. And uh, she discusses how human she actually really is, which is a super dope interview. I can't wait for you guys to, to check it out. But uh, it's roughly quarantine day 18 for me. It's uh, day 30 for my wife. And she has not left the house except to walk for a few blocks with the kids. Like, literally, she's not, not done nothing, right? I've left two times. I've done maybe five or six-day stretches without leaving at all whatsoever. And I'm, I'm good for right now. I'm getting a little kooky in the head, you know? But with all this time on my hands, I begin to realize how much I miss eating out, right? My wife cooks, and she cooks good. My housekeeper cooks. She's dope as hell. Um, my housekeeper's not around though. My mother-in-law and mom cook both incredibly. My mother-in-law is an amazing cook. My mom was a fucking legitimate chef. One, some of the best Korean food I've ever had in my entire life. We're not in restaurants. It's probably my mom's cooking. But again, none of them in here. And even still, something about supporting the hospitality businesses was big for me. 
But now that my homie Slim Thug has got the COVID-19, I'm a little skeptical. You know what I'm saying? Because he said he had an N95 mask, he had gloves, and um, man, he did say he was still going out, you know, and getting food and shit and everything else. And that's why I'm I'm just a little weird. You know, I, I got to be for my kid. Um, I'm not scared. I'm just, I got to be cautious for that. Like, I do what I want. But, and again, if my kid wasn't, you know, if he didn't have um, respiratory illness, I really would treat this a little differently. I'd still respect. I'd still stay in everything else. But I'm saying I wouldn't have the same issue, right? Because I got to fight for my son. But, uh, he, you know, like I said, he said he was still going out and about. And the crazy thing is, People really still don't get it, all right? And I was wrong. Today is Thursday, and we are not locked down, like a federal lockdown, right? But yesterday, I did see real, actual videos of tanks, and I'm talking about a fucking gang of tanks. I'm talking like 60 to 100 tanks all over Los Angeles by the LA River and all that shit. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but what I do know is our president is a complete, total dumb fuck. And yes, uh, he has asked the country to sacrifice older people and pretty much people with underlying health issues, asked to sacrifice their lives in order to get our economy back in session, right? Um, Mr. Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, who I fuck with, I fuck with him, right? He thinks that Donald Trump was bullied into putting the country on lockdown. Look, man, Jordan... You are contradicting yourself, man. You're a hustler. You can sell to anyone, right? You got a podcast. You know, why podcast for free? Get your hustle on, bro. You know what I mean? You, you mean you, you have stated, you know, you can hustle anyone, right? And, and make money in any conditions. And right now I see you crying a whole lot. I see you panicking. And listen, it's okay, man. But you've made it painfully obvious that you have put money, right? You've put cash before you've put, you know, cash is, is before your health, all right? So I can't even, I can't argue with someone like you, right? And I know you don't mean, you know, anything ill will to me or, or you ain't got no beef with me or nothing, right? Because, check this out, man. I said this on my story, I said this on Twitter. I couldn't fucking imagine a world, as much as some of you guys, you guys really don't fucking know me, which is crazy, right? People who listen to my podcast, I think you would get a better insight of who I really am you're not going to get it from Instagram. You're not going to get it from Twitter. Once in a while, you get some jokes from Twitter and you, there might be some seriousness in it, but you're going to get much more here. And that's if you care. And I'm sure, you know, 100,000 people do care, right? So what I'm getting at is I would hate to be in a fucking world where everyone agreed with me. Like, that's not it. I, I, I couldn't imagine having no conflict. You know, like there has to be conflict. There has to be contrast. I don't know. It's like, Anyways, going back to Jordan, man, listen, Jordan, your daughter got infected with the COVID, right? Okay. And yeah, I know it wasn't that bad. But right now, as we stand, I got 15 people I know who are friends of mine and they are all still currently infected with the coronavirus, right? Um, one of them has infected someone who may possibly, well, actually most likely die from this. Okay. Yes, that person is old, but they had years left, all right? Nobody should be cheated of their time on earth, okay? So Jordan, man, I think, you know, I don't know, bro. And if you're wrong, I still won't go on your page and go after you, right? There's some people on there just hate and whatever. People don't know when I'm trolling and hating. It's a fine line. People can't tell. And how can you, right? When you're writing texts on captions, on comments, on anything like that, it's very easy 
to misinterpret somebody's energy or their words, right? I could still put fuck you in all caps and that don't mean I got a problem with you. I know to a lot of people it would, but I'm just saying you can't interpret it properly via text. But anyways, um, back to food. The restaurant business is taking a bath like a motherfucker. They're taking a cold, but listen, they're taking a bath in freezing cold water right now. Shit is bad, right? These high-end restaurants, Michelin star joints, yeah. I mean, look, if you got a restaurant that serves 30, 40, 50, 100 people, 20 people, and you have to resort to takeout, the fancy spots, Mr. Chow, I mean, Mr. Chow's might still do takeout. You know, I know Carbone is killing it, but at the same time, it's not like turning over, you know, hundreds of meals. I mean, I know you can't, these high-end fancy restaurants, they're not, it wasn't meant to be put in a doggy bag, you know what I'm saying, in a to-go box. It's just different. So I don't know how the fuck they're going to survive when this shit may last for months and months, right? I mean, we're talking a long time. Man, the fuck Trump, man. He's fucking keeps changing the shit, you know. It's just, listen, let's be real. The fear is warranted. And I hate the word feel like fear mongering. Listen, motherfucker, what, what the fuck? Anyone who's not scared with someone that has a knife. Now, look, the person has a knife in front of them. You don't know. Are they going to stab you? Are they going to walk away? Are they going to throw the knife at you? You don't exactly know. That's how I kind of put this coronavirus situation in. You don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of like a motherfucking the wheel of fortune, right? But it's not fake news, okay? And there's so much misinformation that, you know, Trump has been saying from Jump Street. And had Trump got on this the first week of January when he knew about it, we would maybe be in Korea's situation right now. And yeah, but then again, you know, um, we have so much traffic. No other country has traffic like we do, meaning in and out of the country, you know, just fucking tourists and everything. You, people want to come here, the better life. America's still the best, right? I don't even know after this one. I've been saying America's still the best deal. America's still the best deal. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know after this one. This is a weird, you know, this is crazy. You know, the USA is the epicenter of the earth, right? It's hard to shut down this country. It took six weeks to finally have a majority of people stay at home. But there's still fools out there who think this shit is a joke, right? There are now teenagers out there who've died, right? There are way more younger people getting infected in the USA than elsewhere, right? And uh, you got Trump doing the flip the switch challenge, said this shit was nothing, Corona hasn't taken any lives, and then he said it's, we're at war with coronavirus, and then now he wants the country to come and be back to normal by Easter Sunday because it's important to him, <laughs> okay? <laughs> he wants churches to be packed on Easter Sunday. You dumb fucking dick. We haven't even hit our peak of infections and deaths. Like the apex of this virus was going to be probably after Easter. So can you imagine we'd be on the fucking incline? Like if you have churches packed, we will infect hundreds of more thousands of people due to your fucking ignorance. Okay. Jordan Belfort said this is the biggest overreaction to a virus ever. He's still comparing it to a flu. Like, I can't, man. I just, again, you can't argue with people who think that vaccines are, are bullshit and they cause autism. 
There's not been one fucking clinical case. There hasn't been one legitimate scientific study, one case study, not one, that has led back to autism from vaccines. But anyways, going on, we have no vaccine for this virus, which is fucking crazy, right? Um, anyways, I was on the phone for probably about eight hours this last four days trying to get my $15,000 back for the spring break trip, uh, this family trip that I had booked in December. And Expedia sends me this email, because I can't get a hold of them, right? Sends me this email that they'll let me cancel free without any fees and give me a full airline credit. And I'm like, nah, fuck you. What, what are you talking about? Like, one, it's a Mexican airline that I only use to fly to fucking to Cabo, Right. And I won't be flying with them for at least a year, if not even more. So nah. But I called my credit card company, which took fucking forever as well. And they're disputing it. And I need that bread ASAP, right? Speaking of banks, uh, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Chase, I believe like all the major banks, they have all said that they're willing to give breaks on mortgages. Uh, my cousin has a loan with like Wells Fargo. My sister has one. with. with and meanwhile, my bank is saying they got to see the options. And I have to call them shortly after this podcast, right? And uh, they're giving me options and shit where I'm talking to my CPA and they're like, yeah, we can give you a forbearing, um, you could do a forbearing payment. And I'm like, forbearing? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you stupid? And forbearing means like, I can miss, you know, May, June, and July, but in August... I'd have to pay four months. I'd have to pay all three months and then pay the fourth month right there. And like, the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> I have negative income coming in. I still got to pay fools. I still have to pay everyone, including like, you know, all the other shit that we got going on in the house. Right? So I'm taking L's and you guys are fucking bugging, but I'm pretty sure they're going to work something out and they're going to figure it out. Look at man. If it's bad for me, I can't fucking imagine how bad it is for everyone else, right? And I've done my part. I cannot fucking tell you. And I won't because I don't want my family members to start talking shit. But I can't tell you the amount of money that I've already put out just in the last five days. Anyways, um, back to food and travel. The day that shit really is clear, like we're in the fucking clear, which... I think at the super fucking earliest, the end of summer, right? Which I, I mean, I almost, I just feel weird. I don't even know what that feels like anymore, right? I just can't wait to walk into Dong Iljang and get some kimchi pokempop, you know, some some teji chige, some teji kalbi, some fucking, uh, you know what? Fuck it. Just for the wildlife fun. Give me some fucking kalbi chim. <laughs> I just had a conversation with my homie, Stephanie from Dubai, and she made me miss my own food, and my old town, you know what I'm saying, my own town, I miss food, like, I miss, like, I want to walk into fucking Maranguksu and get some kalkuksu, right, that's some chicken noodle soup, but it's like Korean noodles, homemade, off the chain, look like fettuccine, but way better, um, anyways, Steph, it's all good, when you hit LA, we're going in, fuck, I might hit that Sola DXB, right, in December, we'll, we'll see what happens, and if shit's bad here, and I can get the fuck out, Please believe, 
I'm going to motherfucking Dubai and and uh, you go show me some local shit that some of my homies, all my homies want to show me the super ultra bougie shit, but Steph, you're going to show me some OG shit, I hope. I hope. I got a friend of mine who's an airline attendant for um, Alaska Airlines and uh, she's still working and uh, I pray for her. But uh, she's posted trips like recently on the plane. She's showing the fucking airline like in the air from Seattle to Hawaii and there's five passengers on the entire fucking plane is crazy as fuck and she travels a grip and she like she loves her job but man god bless her fuck that um airports are crawling fucking diseases and of course you know it's got the coronavirus fucking lingering around everyone keeps asking me will martial law go in effect i I have no fucking clue at this point i really don't know right governor newsom said he will not fucking follow anything that trump is talking about with that easter shit He's on his own shit. The the governor of New Jersey, uh, Cuomo in New York said the same shit. They're like, man, Trump is fucking tripping. We got a long time fucking coming before we, you know. Mayor Garcetti, he's like, yo, listen, we're on this current lockdown to at least, at least May. So we got like another five weeks to shit. Because he predicts a ton of more deaths. Um, obviously, hospital shortages. Motherfucking Prince Charles got this shit. All right, and that motherfucker's, what, 70? I don't know how fucking old he is, right? And look at right now, currently, we're over a thousand fucking people, a thousand deaths, over a thousand. What are we, 1,200 or something, whatever? We're over a thousand deaths in the USA. We've, we're going to hit a hundred thousand infections in the USA by the weekend. All right. What's crazy is that stupid motherfuckers still think that China has 88,000 infections and only 3,200 deaths. Still. Okay. Listen, know this. The virus hit China late December, okay? They didn't even get on it until like fucking February, all right? Like late January, real talk, late January, where they went fucking ham and locked everything down, okay? They extended Chinese New Year, you know, Lunar New Year, even another week, okay? And that fucking fucked things up. But yeah, they did a legit communist party style lockdown for real, but they still got to it late. Okay, and the epicenter of the virus is in China, right? And millions of fucking people left Wuhan while already infecting a shit ton of other people in this fucking crazy, crazy, you know, it's so packed over there, right? There's an article about how China lost 21 million cell phone users in the last months. And uh, this is a Chinese news site, by the way, that suggests where all these people, um, where are all these people? Where are they? Where'd they go? And it's not like they can't afford it either, you know? I mean, it's it's really cheap to have a fucking cell phone there. And it's also like a necessity, just how it is, you know? Here, it's like, I don't know. I think I pay like 600 bucks because I mean, I have fucking every single person in the house has a phone. But in China, it's like one quarter of that. It's way less. And these 21 pe- you know, million phone accounts, they just vanished. And they could track SIM cards out there. You know, I've said this before, you got to have a passport, social security, whatever their system is out there. You can't just go get a SIM card and fucking be like, oh, I'm going to go in a store and just get, it's all controlled. And this article is on my Twitter likes. So if you go to my Twitter account at Ben Baller and click on the tweets I've liked right on the right side, just scroll down a little bit. It's from a few days ago, but the Chinese news site suggests that, you know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense, but even in calculations, maybe a million Chinese people could be dead, Right. I mean, it can't be hidden for so long. I don't know, man. I'm, again, I'm not into conspiracies, man. It'll all come out later. It's just too big to hide. 
I'm just curious how anyone with a brain cell can even mention China's death toll from the per CDC's numbers or like fucking CNN, it, Fox, everything. It's like, it don't add up. There's people at least that talk about it on CNN and stuff, whatever. Some people are like, oh, CNN's not reliable. Motherfucker, what are you talking about? So where is your news coming from? It's just some people, man, everyone, again, man, you could argue about anything, you know? Someone might be like, hey, listen, man, the five worst players in the world are fucking Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Kareem, and Larry Bird. And they fucking 30, 40% of people might agree with them because it's just so fucking stupid. Um, speaking of news, NPR in Seattle has made an announcement that they respect Washington, D.C., but they will not be quoting the president anymore due to too many false claims, basically saying he's full of shit and um, they can't fact check his words fast enough. And basically, yeah, I mean, that's that's that right there. That's crazy. That's NPR. NPR is legit. You tell me it's not but fucking stab somebody. Um, I know there's a stimulus package that just finally got approved. I haven't really looked at the details of it. But I do believe that it's just going to benefit the major corporations way more than it will benefit the average and below average American. So, I don't know. It's like a thousand bucks and fucking something if you're married and fucking this extra if you have kids. And all that Listen, man I, don't, man, I don't know, man. I'm willing to give those checks up. I mean, as much as, as, as much negative income that comes my way, I'm, I mean, I'm already helping people out. Anyways. Let's talk about some above average Americans. My homie Lauren Sai is up next and we get deep into mental health, uh, this crazy Corona crisis and how she dealt with anxiety to growing up feeling different in a different country at a young age. Miles, my guy, Miles Davis, please throw on some Lakey to get the mood right. And we'll be right back with Lala, a.k.a. Lauren. As you guys know, I run a couple of businesses and rely on a lot of smart people to help me manage them. I came across some graphs information our friends within generated around the COVID-19 pandemic and the effects it's having on e-commerce. This shit is mind-blowing. I know a lot of you out there run small businesses or maybe work in marketing. These guys are smart as hell, and the data they pull might be able to help you. Take the free game and help yourself. They run all digital marketing for Nike, Budweiser, Spanx, and more. Check out this info for free at within.co. Yo, what up, man? You are listening to Behind the Baller, and we have a very special guest. Um, I can't be in person like we planned on being in front of each other, but uh, obviously with the situation going on right now, I have the lovely Lauren Sai. Is that how you pronounce your name? Sai? Yes, correct. Yes, I have Lauren Sai on Behind the Baller. Lauren, what's good? Uh, you know, I'm staying at home. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, what a crazy time that we're living in. Like, Dude, it's been so insane. Like, no, literally, people don't realize that we are making history and not in the way I'd like to make history, but we're literally, this is going down in history. Um, I know it's tiring. It's so fucking like, I feel like it's monotonous being, you know, like listen to the news. You can't even change channels and I don't really want to watch any movies right now. It's like a weird feeling right now. And it's like, um, and it's just the beginning stages. But unfortunately, um, this is how the interview has to begin, right? Like, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on this whole COVID-19 thing? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been, um, you know, the first time that we actually talked about it was probably the beginning of February, right? Like February 5th or 6th around that time. It was early February, um, yeah. Early February. I was planning on going to Japan and, uh, you know, we were actually going to meet up in Japan, but we decided to both cancel our trips because of everything that was going on with the coronavirus. And it's uh, all happened exactly as people have kind of expected it to. Um it's been insane just to watch it uh, from home as it spread throughout the world and is, uh, you know, taking place in all these different countries. It's been an interesting time. I mean, I've been really connected with my family and I feel super lucky to be at home, but I feel the same. It's been hard to watch movies or focus on anything because um, it just feels like there's more noise now than ever, even though it's really silent. That's such a great way to describe it. Um, what's crazy is, look, I know we barely met in November, right? And um, it's not like we've had a, you know, a ton of time to hang out or anything, right? And, you know, I say this, and I've said this before on my podcast, that when you get to a certain age in life, and usually for men it happens later, but when you become an adult, like for real, and we're going to get into that later because I know you're young, but when you become an adult, I mean, you don't waste time. Like, why the fuck would you play games? Like, why take seven or eight conversations when you could have it in two you know what i mean or just you just you do what you want to do you know what you want in yeah. life you're not going to bullshit and with that being said i feel like me and you've had a lot of real discussions we haven't talked about superficial bullshit it's been cool we've hung out enough times and when i made that phone call to you it was only because um you're the only person i would know besides takashi murakami who i was going to meet up with in in tokyo besides my friends over there but i mean here in america so when I made the call, I said to myself, okay, is she going to think I'm fucking crazy or some weird? But you know what? I didn't even give a fuck at that point. If you weren't like mature enough to understand that I was calling you like, like really on a concern level that, uh, you know, so like when I called you, I said, hey, listen, um, this is something you might want to put on your radar, right? And, and I'm just curious, like, what did you actually think when I first noticed she told you that this shit's getting serious there? I so I had been worried about it too because I was kind of watching the news and everything that was happening in China and then when you called me I remember when we hung up after that I kind of just sat in the car and stared at the ceiling for a minute um really considering what the right choice would be because I feel like also too we're seeing in people it's taken the news and people such a long time to catch up to the severity of this just because people want to you know, they want to believe that things are going to be okay. And I think that I definitely had a couple days of trying to convince myself that I was just crazy. Um, <laughs> but the more, the more and more I read, the more and more I realized that uh, us taking this uh, seriously is the, the only thing we can do for the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, explain to, like, to the people listening right now, I've said it to them, right? And I know it shouldn't be about money, right? Some people need it. And I get it. It's, it's important. Money is important. But this was a big this was a big check for me, this trip. You know what I mean? Like this was going yeah. to set up a big check. I mean, you're going out there to work, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And you obviously put your health before. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's it's hard for me to to really say anything too about my finances just because I'm seeing so many people who, it, it was insane. I remember I read something a couple days ago that over 650,000 people had filed for unemployment um, yeah. and that there's people that, uh, you know, financially, they they need to go to work every day, and they need to still be going out to support their families. And I, um, I feel so deeply for them. Um, Same, I've said, I've, so I've spoken on it's, it. It's yeah, it's it's been crazy, and I think that um, you know, at the end of this, though, I think that being safe is something I will never regret. I'm never going to regret not going out or not 
doing something right now if that were to risk uh, my health in the long term. And I think that, you know, I would recommend that to my family. I recommend that to my friends. So I also recommend that to myself. I think a lot of people kind of, I, I especially struggle with um, wanting the best for other people, but then kind of questioning that for myself. But yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, all we can do is stay home and educate each other and take this seriously because it deserves that. Even my in-laws, you know, they, uh, my, my father-in-law, he works and he's like, what am I going to do? That's how I get money. And I'm like, hey, man. And he's like, you know, he's, he's in his late 50s. And, and I'm, I'm explaining to him, like, yo, this is so much bigger than all that right now. It, it, for me to even talk to an older man, but it's, it's like, how do I tell? I mean, he obviously supports his wife. You know, I take care of my wife. And, and his son is, is on his own, too. But, but bottom line is, look, man, not everyone's going to be on the same page. I get it, right? I had said, uh, I wish Donald Trump attacked it early. He didn't. You know, he, he said it was, he confused yeah. Americans. You know, he said it was like, I, I just said this today, this morning on an Asian blog. I said, look, it, if Donald Trump made a statement in the news today in one of his press conferences and he said, guess what? I just discovered that two plus two equals five. I think that the Americans are so fucking stupid that maybe 20 to 25% of Americans might actually believe him. I'm being totally serious too, by the way. I'm not joking at all whatsoever. And that's just like how the Corona beer went down in sales by like 40%. Like, come on, you know how fucking crazy? Dude, that's like, insane, yeah. yeah. Like how stupid you have to be. And and because he was like, oh, it's a hoax. No one's died from it, boom. And then now he's like, we're at war with the disease. It's like, bro, you confused the country. It's been, um, it's been really, really insane because I've actually been watching Fox News just to kind of like watch the narrative as that's changed over the past month. And it's insane. It went from being a hoax to being some sort of a ploy against, you know, his presidency. And um, now it's something that they're openly saying he knew was a pandemic from the start. And um, oh, no, he knew. it's really, it's really scary to, I mean, yeah, it's, it's scary that he did know, but decided to make a different choice about how he talked about it and to play it down uh, to people. Um, but it's, it's really scary how much that works and how easily they can uh, change people's mindsets day to day. And anyways, so going yeah. on, um, how's your family, by the way? Are they good? During they're this good. Time? They're good. I'm, you know, my, my dad, he, uh, was living in New York and he actually, um, like escaped the city. So he went on a trip South by himself. I think he's in North Carolina now. Um, which we, I was, I'm a little bit worried of course, just because I think that moving around at all is risking something, but, um, you know, he wanted to get out before he got locked in his apartment and everything. So I wish him luck. Um, Right. On his journey there. And then my mom and grandparents are in Hawaii. And with Hawaii, it's been super insane because people are still traveling there. And they have this like 14 day quarantine that's necessary right now. I think they just put that into effect a couple days ago. But like, I have no idea how they're going to actually keep track of these people. And it's, I mean, it's scary. Hawaii is an island that depends on uh, shipments from the States. And I think that. Um, when I was in high school, we had to do something about uh, agriculture in Hawaii. We had to research it, and they only have a handful of weeks' worth of food supply at any Jesus given time Christ. without shipments. Or it might have been a little bit over a month, like a month and a half or something. I would have to check that, but I remember it was some it was some shocking amount that you're like, shit, this is really uh, – they, I mean, they don't have the supplies, yeah. If you spend time in Hawaii, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people in general. Um, you'd understand, like I've been to Hawaii many times. And uh, taking my family there, I start to realize, wait a second, why the fuck is a gallon of milk, not organic milk, why is a regular gallon of milk $13? This is fucking insane. This is 
three times the price in, in Los Angeles when LA is supposed to be highly priced, you know, just certain things. And I get it. You know, it is an island. It is a small island. And if infection hits through there, they're fucked because they don't have, you know, in fact, I didn't even, I've never even brought this up. Um, obviously, I've spoke many times to my fans about how severe my son's health is and his, his respiratory illness. And um, we happen to be in Hawaii in July and it just happened to be 68 degrees and overcast. I have no idea. It was like a weird thing. And he caught a bad asthma attack, a real oh, bad no. one. And uh, we had to call the ambulance to the, to the hospital. Oh, and I God. remember we went to Kaiser. And I remember when we were at, at Kaiser, I was thinking to myself, and it was raining too. It was really weird. Just a shitty day all around. And it was nighttime. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is like a small ass area. Like, I mean, like the hospital, everything. It was kind of like, it was just, I don't know. I, it almost felt like it was a small town farm. Do you know, but it's an island and it's Hawaii and it's just, and I'm on Oahu, of course, but still, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's scary, but I'm just. Yeah, uh, it's really scary to think about because, you know, there's been so much development in Hawaii. So there's not necessarily, I mean, there's farms and stuff, but like, there's just so many people living there that they depend on shipments. And, you know, if there were a bad outbreak to happen, I really don't think that um, there would be enough um, healthcare for people to get. Um, I, I was treated for pneumonia in, I think, Queens Hospital um, in Hawaii when I was a little bit younger. Um, and I was in there for like two weeks, uh, with really bad pneumonia. Um, and it's small, it's small for sure. Um, so my heart goes out to them. (laughs) I didn't know you had pneumonia. You know, that, that's a, that's a serious thing, by the way. Some people don't realize how serious pneumonia is because it It, affects you permanently for the rest of your life. It, um, it was really hard. I was young and I was in the hospital for a while and my parents would stay overnight with me and, uh, they were definitely scared. I wasn't, it got really bad to the point where it was in like filling up both my lungs. Um, and it was hard. I had to like learn how to breathe again. And, uh, you know, I was up all night because it was really painful and I really do not wish that feeling upon anyone. It's, it's something that is extremely serious. Well then you, and if untreated gets to that point, yeah, you need to stay at home then for real. Um, yeah, I've been at home since I was 12. So (laughs) (laughs) I got a question. So during this time, it's uh let's switch it up now finally. Yes. Um during this time, like um, where are you getting inspiration like for all this fucked uh, up shit? Yeah, I think that I think for me I've always gotten inspiration from kind of like the things that I've felt in my own life. Um I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> and I think that growing up I really hated that part of myself and I thought that was the worst, weakest, stupidest thing to be. Um, and I felt that growing up meant growing out of that and learning how to not be emotional and feel things deeply. Um, and I think that, you know, having this, this time in which there's no outside pressure to perform or to be a part of, um, everything else, I've really had a lot of time to go back through my experiences and my relationships and my memories and come to terms with things and really, um, think about that. But I'd say right now, my, my own life has been inspiration for this moment because i feel like it's it's really really rare to get that moment of silence for yourself nowadays yeah that's it that's i mean when you could turn it off you know that, that's that's awesome is there a certain city or town that gives you inspiration oh man um honestly tokyo that was so growing up i was really into art my entire life. And then I got really into digital art and into animation. And when I watched Japanese animation for the first time, I felt so extremely inspired because I think that, um, growing up in the States, I'd watched animation that was catering towards kids a lot. So I always felt like it was going to be stuck in that box. Um, but when I watched Japanese animation, like stuff from like Satoshi Kon, um, 
and other people like mind game, you know, other crazy movies. Um, I really felt like this thing that I loved could be taken that seriously um, and could be used as a platform to tell any kind of story. So I was always really moved by the idea of living in Japan and being there. Um, I think it felt that was the city that I moved to when I was 18, right after high school. And that for me was kind of my solo adventure because none of my family lived there. I didn't necessarily have any close friends there at the time. So for me, that was kind of my first moment of figuring out who I am in this world and what I want. Um, and that represents that for me forever. I think that's crazy because I would say Tokyo, if it's not number one, it has to be number two. And I can't think of number two right now, but I just thought about asking that question to you. And I would say Tokyo is yeah. definitely my number one inspiration because there's so many different things from streetwear to just, I mean, you're talking about animation and I'm talking about all that stuff didn't even exist when I was growing up in the late seventies, early eighties. And, uh, but I was, once I saw like Golan, which I think they call Voltron here or like Akira and things yeah, like that yeah. and Ultraman and all that stuff. You're like, holy shit. Like I was, I was taken back. Even the way Godzilla was like, you know, there's American Godzilla and then there's Japanese Godzilla and just the way, yeah. just the toys and everything. I was so fucking just blown away by Japanese culture and everything. And I know there's like a, a weird beef between the Koreans and Americans and I'm not going to get into that. And I know why, but it's like, come on, man, like let that shit go. Motherfuckers ain't thinking about that. Um, so, I mean, if you could be anywhere else in the world right now, would it be Japan or where would you choose? If you could just literally teleport somewhere right now. To teleport somewhere, dude, um, I mean, now is kind of... <laughs> right now. now is I a, know it's now, crazy. Yeah, now is a crazy time. Um, I mean, to be honest, I would, I would love to be in Hawaii with my mom. But, you know, I, I'm not going to go there until uh, it's really safe to travel again for people just because I don't yeah. want to pose that risk to the islander, to her, or to anyone else. But... I love being in Hawaii and we live on a mountain so you can really disconnect from everything and just kind of wake up early and go to bed early and feel uh, connected to nature in a different way. And maybe that's why I love Tokyo too is because there's such a disconnect from the public. I almost felt like I felt very anonymous all the time um, because, you know, there is that culture of being able to wear a face mask every day and I did practically every day. Yeah. Um, and I really felt like I could just disappear and be live inside my head mostly. Um, but Hawaii does that in a different way. You know, it's, it's crazy because um, I'm not a nature person at all whatsoever. I'm as city boy as you get. I like tall buildings and all that stuff and everything, right? Yeah. But I will say my anxiety that, you know, from being like, let's say, for instance, in the middle of like the desert or not a desert, like, fucking I could be in the Amazon, right? If my son didn't have any health issues, I'd be like, okay, well is my family with me. If my family's with me, my wife and my kids, then I'm going to be perfectly fine. Now with my son, I'd be like, okay, is there healthcare somewhere? You know, it's a handicap, you know? And um, anyways, just going on, I, I feel you on that. And um, actually what, what, what kind of boggled me, you said you were 18 when you moved to Japan? Yeah, I, man, when did I, so I started working in Japan as a model when I was 15 and I would go oh, back okay. and forth to Japan and Hawaii um, over the summers while I was still in high school. So I'd spend two months in Japan, go back to come back home to Hawaii, go back to Japan, back home. And then when I was 18, I was going to go to art school. Um, I actually got into the art school that I had always dreamed of going to, but I knew that I was going there to try to prove something. In more Japan than anything or else. in America? Um, in America. Is it Ridsdy and or where? Yeah, it was risky. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and that was kind of my dream growing up because I felt like for me that it, it was a school that, you know, if I could get into that, I could f try to prove to people that art was something that would work out 
like financially or like, I don't know, it just makes sense. I feel that, you know, my family has always been very focused on excelling in school. Um, As any Asian family is. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, my sisters are geniuses. They're really incredibly talented in math and science. And for me, I, I can do math, but not like them. Um, and it, you know, art always felt like the, the one secret thing that I had for myself. Um, but I realized though, in applying that I was just trying to turn this thing that I was so passionate about into something that made sense to the world, I hoped. Um, and you know, I moved, I moved to Japan to pursue something different to try to see if there was a different life I could live and modeling was my source of income. Um, so I moved there and started modeling full time and that was a whole journey in itself. So, you know, um, well, shit, that just, I have another question I'm going to bookmark for later, but like going back to RISD, um, I didn't even know what the fuck that was. I, you know, you're talking to an ex graffiti artist, right? I was, I was, you know, spray painting on buses and fucking walls and anywhere I could in the early eighties, you know what I mean? Like into up, up to like maybe the almost late eight, like, like 86 or 87, I think I kind of retired it and I still tagged a little bit, but going on with that, my cousin, he went to SVA where actually, and he's actually Brian's age. So him and Brian went to school at the same time at SVA. And actually one of my business partners who I owned a sneaker customizing company with, he went to SVA too, which is crazy, right? School of Visual Arts mm-hmm. in New York City. And I never think, you never thought about it like, damn shit, they went to school with cause, you know, Brian went there, boom. But anyways, they'd always talk about how like RISD was like the Harvard of art schools. And they're like, yo man, if you didn't get into RISD, you're not shit. And like, look, I didn't even fucking go to GIA school, which is Gemology Institute of America, right? And that's where you learn how to be in every mm-hmm. single aspect of being a jeweler. I don't have a GA degree. My cousin doesn't have it. And you see I'm out here crushing shit in the jewelry world. But that's not to say that you shouldn't get education. I'm just letting you know. Um, that's funny that you got it. But you, you got accepted and that was good enough. Um, I Yeah, I, I felt ex- extremely proud and extremely grateful. And I felt like a total, I felt super guilty for not going as well um, because of having that opportunity. But I don't know. I've heard, I heard so much about the school just being very competitive and I've never went there. So I can't even say if I know what it's like, but I have, you know, some friends who go there, um, who do so that is a very competitive environment. And like, if anything for me, I just, I hope that art's like the one thing that wouldn't be competitive with anyone else. And I think that it shouldn't be, it should be about, you know, trying to learn to express what you want to say about your life to the world. Um, Right. And I think that's the most that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter how like technically good you are, uh, whereas, you know, I do believe in practicing a lot and getting the technical abilities to have that, you know, vocabulary to be able to say what you want to. But right. um, I don't know. I, I feel like if I put myself in a competitive environment for art, I'm just going to lose the feeling of it. That's amazing. I, I love that you said that. And I wasn't laughing a second ago. I didn't chuckle like because of laughing at you. I'm, I was just thinking about your art and how. I wouldn't say it's abstract, right? But it's when I look at your art and I think of things, I'm like, somehow, some way, this is this is how she feels or thinks. You know what I mean? How, <laughs> how listen, I always say, look at, I'm responsible for what I say, not for what you understand, right? And I feel like with your art, that's kind of like what you're saying. It just that's how I interpret it. So so going on, we talk about Japan a lot, right? And and my question, what I was leading mm-hmm. up to was, you went there when you're 15. D- did you know how to speak Japanese when you're 15? I, well, I had been, let's see, I went to boarding school when I was 14 to 15. Um, and then I, I had, uh, always wanted to learn Japanese because of my, you know, exposure to Japanese animation and being a total geek over that growing up. So I started learning by myself online. I bought a bunch of textbooks at Barnes and Nobles and just started to 
practice that and write down different words and learn the like alphabet Rosetta Stone? and stuff. Or like what? Um, no, just like textbooks, uh, not Rosetta Stone. I don't really know what the type of books are, but they have different uh, language levels. Like I forget what it is, like N1 or N2 or N3. At this point, I can't remember, but... Like, could you have a conversation with Takashi Murakami? You guys could, like, if you guys start talking, you guys could have a, I mean, a, at least a conversation? Oh, my God. A year ago? Yeah, I think I was pretty fluent in Japanese, like, conversationally. Um, but at this point, it's been such a long time since I've spoken in Japanese. I also realized, too, I tried to say a sentence recently. <laughs> Even if I just say someone's name, dude, it's, it's like, you have to remember how to move your mouth a different way. Damn. It's so easy to forget, but I think it's like always with you though. Um, so you I, I do think though. if I go back, yeah, for sure. I can really understand, uh, you know, movies without subtitles and stuff at this point, uh, but it took me years. I mean, you could get into a taxi and, and realize that guys, if, if this guy's like trying to talk shit about you, like, oh, I got this girl in the back. We're oh yeah, dude, okay. for sure. I got you. Okay. I got you when we're in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, listen, there's this bald headed guy and this girl. We're taking them to the fucking mountains and we're going to fucking uh, kidnap them. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so you're Hapa. Um, yes. that is the wave of the future to me. Um, my nieces are Hapa, you know, I have uh, obviously a lot of friends are Hapa and everything. And, uh, I think Hapa's the shit, you know, it's a mixture of all these different cultures, right? Oh, and thank but you very much. <laughs> my question is how have you like, what, like what's your experience of growing up Hapa and everything? Like, like I think, um, well, I was born in Massachusetts and I grew up there and it's funny because I think that growing up, I thought that I was white. I don't know why, but like, I didn't really recognize the fact that I was Asian until I moved to Hawaii. Um, and I think when you're so young too, you just don't think about those things. You know, you don't think, Yeah. I think I was just surrounded by a lot of white kids. So I didn't really, I didn't see myself as different from anyone as no kid should. Um, but then when I moved to Hawaii, I really started, you know, I was surrounded by a lot more Asian culture and I started to get more connected to, you know, my Chinese heritage and also to other Asian cultures. So I really started to realize um, those things. And I think that, in Hawaii, it's very normal. There's a lot of Asian people, a lot of Hapa people. So it's not really, um, I felt very much like the majority there. Right. Um, and then moving to Japan, of course, there are uh, half Asian people, not as much, of course, but um, definitely there are. And there are a lot of uh, celebrities and people in the media who are half. So it's a very um, accepted and understood thing. I mean, do you think in Japan when you were there, do you think being Hapa helped you flourish? Or no? I think that there there are a lot of celebrities who are Hapa, and I think that uh, what's, what's good about that is that they're, I mean, people are open to other ethnicities than just what's the majority of the country, but I think a lot of it comes, too, from kind of the, what's it called, um, the white idealization <laughs> right. of that it was so prevalent in advertising for a long time because, you know, you can look at billboards and advertisements and they use uh, predominantly like young white models. Um, and I think that people being Hapa, there, there was some intrigue with that because it was familiar, but at the same time foreign. And I think that there's still a lot of um, idealization that's very outdated that I hope changes, that I really, really hope changes for people. 100%. I dated a, a big um, fashion model in Japan. She was like on 100,000 billboards out there. And she this was the early 2000s. And she was in, in an agency that was only Hapa Models. And I forgot what the fuck it was called. This is We can talk about this offline anyways, I'm just saying. Yeah, but, I wonder. But going on, um, how do you feel about all the racism that's going against the Asians today, like in America? Like it's, it's crazy right now. Like I can't stop seeing 
all these attacks against Asians over this stupid ass fucking because of coronavirus. I think there is absolutely no excuse for racism ever. Um, and I think that someone blaming an eth- it's it's just absolutely stupid. It's I mean, Chinatown, I, I can't even really wrap my mind around it, but being <laughs> hateful to someone because of their ethnicity is, oh my God. <laughs> no, it's, it's really... There is absolutely no excuse for that. And I think really that crazy, what we've... But- a lot of people were, um, you know, responding to me on Twitter, and I'm trying to look at what the other side thinks and feels because we need to understand that. Um, but a lot of people were arguing that, you know, we called it the Spanish flu, we called MERS MERS, we called swine flu swine flu, and there's, you know, we called Ebola. We named that after a river. And I think the argument, though, is that we have done this in the past, and we see what happens when we do that. <laughs> but the um, problem is, there's actual name for it. It's called COVID nineteen. You know, with me personally. I really don't give a fuck what color you are. Um, One thing about uh, ethnicities is, uh, and I joke about it, I love stereotypes. You know, Korean people are this way, Chinese people are this way, um, black people are this way, Hispanic people are this way, and Germans, you know, whatever it it may be, the stereotypes, fine. Racism, totally different. Like, you know, there's been arguments where I've been like, man, there's these five black motherfuckers and they ran down the street over there. And he's like, why they gotta be black? And I was like, "Um, because they're black. And that's just what they happen to be. You know what I'm saying? It could have been yellow. They could have been white. They could have been anything. And then, um, you know, I just, I see it as it is. I don't ever really, I've never ever, in my life, I've been very blessed. I saw it early. And especially when I was growing up, it was really bad. But I just kind of like, you know, like I never couldn't fucking imagine. I, I love everyone of every fucking color. If I hate you, I hate you equally. It's not because I hate like, all right, you know what, Lauren? I just don't like you. You know what? Guess what? I'm never going to fuck with any hop of people ever again. It's the stupidest fucking mentality <laughs> in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now to get on to something really important, which is the most weirdest thing in the entire world. Yes. Um, I want to discuss a little bit about anxiety. Yes, let's let's um, do it. And about three minutes ago, while I'm on the phone with you, I don't know if it's because I'm in this room and like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what just hit, but I had a pretty bad anxiety attack and it's like happening right now, which is fucking nuts. I'm going to be honest with you. I had an anxiety attack before you called and then when you called. (laughs) Maybe that's just uh, panic and also being scared of, uh, you know, having my voice projected to the world because I rarely talk online. No, it's not that. Okay, for you, maybe I'm just saying like, I don't know what it is. Listen, I talk all day long, right? I have a dry mouth. I feel weird. I feel confined right now. But it's like, I got to fucking finish this thing. So we're just going to power through it. Oh but, my God, well, I hope it, you feel but, okay. Yeah, but anxiety, right? Um, it's something I suffered. I've spoke about it. Um, not so much, but definitely on several episodes of my podcast. And I was curious because me and you have briefly spoke about it offline. What's your whole take on this? Like, like what? Like, I mean, I think that now is a really hard time for a lot of people. Um, I think that our, uh, you know, our daily lives that we're used to have been completely thrown. Um, I think that people are experiencing anxiety and other mental health issues from what's happening right now, from, you know, the worries about the world, about the people immediately around us, about our lives, our work, um, and also just simply being alone. I think in this day and age of social media and this constant, this constant, um, it's, it really is a drug, but this constant thing that we have access to all the time, um, I think that it's becoming increasingly harder for people to pause and be with themselves. I think that, you know, we're the hardest people to be with, to be alone with. Right. Um, and I think that I really had to cope with that when I was living in Japan by myself. Um, and I feel like a naturally introverted person, so I'm used to it. But I think that, you know, I have definitely struggled from, I had depression or I started taking medication for depression when I was 11. Um, oh, man. 
And I, I took it for a long time and I, I got off it by the time I was 16 or 17, I think, but I was definitely, um, quite dependent on that for a long time. Um, there was one year in boarding school when things with my depression got really, really bad. Um, and I was taking a lot of meds and I felt very drained emotionally, which, you know, I ended up moving back to Hawaii because things were hard there for me. Um, but with anxiety and stuff, it's been something that I have, I've always, uh, struggled with social anxiety, um, kind of in a physical sense of getting these sensations, um, that you're describing, but also, you know, having panic attacks and sometimes they're very, uh, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes they do (laughs) to some extent. Um, but it's, it's scary. And I think that I hope that people are talking about mental health because I see a lot of people online talking now about how this is a time for healing and reflection. And it's absolutely wonderful, um, for people who, you know, have the time to do that right now. And I feel very lucky to have that luxury of being able to be bored right now. Um, right. But I mean, you know, I, I kind of mentioned to you before and I've never like said it publicly ever. Um, because I, it, it was very real and it takes a very long time. It took me so many years to be able to even comfortably say the word. Um, but I've struggled with an eating disorder since I was like 14 or 15, probably the end of 14, um, up until 21, maybe now even still probably. (laughs) Um, I mean, still for sure. I think that, you know, and a lot of people have, oh my gosh, I'm getting like an anxiety attack right now talking about it. (laughs) Just breathe. You're going to be fine. um, Uncle Ben's here. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, But wait a second. We've, we've ate a few times. I mean, I mean, you, you, did you not eat your meal? I just forgot. Did you eat? Did you not eat? Did you? Oh yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I can go to restaurants and eat with people. I think that, um, at least in my experience and in, you know, reading about other people's experiences too, it's very different for everyone. Um, you know, there's different eating disorders that people struggle with, whether it's anorexia or bulimia or EDNOS, um, which is kind of like a mixture of a bunch of different things. Um, but it was, you know, it was based on a bunch of different behaviors and I kind of have done um, you know, everything that people probably think of when they think of eating disorders, but can you pinpoint to one thing? Is it, is it because like for modeling, did you want to remain skinny or I don't, I'm just curious. I think that, um, when it started was because of some anxiety that I had and food for me at boarding school was something that it seemed like everything else was so uncertain, but that was the one thing that I could control. And the one thing that could take my mind off of everything, um, And it started to become an obsession. And I think that I got so much in this place in which I felt like if I could just fix myself, if I could just be better, if I could just be, if I could just look like that person, everything was going to get better for me. Um, Because I struggled a lot with feeling confident in myself at all growing up. And I think that for me, when I started to focus on my outward appearance, that seemed like something that it, it became a comfort. But uh, when I went to Japan to model that, it's really hard. You know, when when you're modeling, that's, you know, you get weighed every week and you get measured and life kind of becomes about losing weight and exactly what you look like. And you look in the mirror and you don't see yourself and you, I was alone too. I had a lot of time alone in my head and my head felt like the most messy, chaotic place in the world. And I had 
Uh, it was something I hid from my family, hid from my friends, hid from my agency because I didn't want to be wrong. And I think that because no one really, I felt like at the time, especially no one had really talked about this publicly. I felt that I was weak and I was wrong for it. And I was embarrassed about it because I thought that I just wasn't working hard enough. You know, I just wasn't strong enough to be able to handle these things that other people could. And like other girls look so beautiful, so they must endure something like that, that I just wasn't strong enough to, or I was just wrong for worrying so much. And I kind of, you know, I, I went down this crazy path of trying to understand what it was and that it was a problem. And by the time I realized it was a problem, it was really, really deep in my mind and the way I saw everything. Damn. I'm sorry, um, you know. I'm, yeah. I mean. Oh no, it's it's all good, and I, you know, I feel really. I think you. I think really, you're right, really though. I think to you're be right. Able to talk about it. No, I, yeah. And I'm glad you can. That's crazy. I just think, um, um, just from experience of women I've been around and or women I've I've lived with and and who had, I wouldn't say necessarily an eating disorder, but at the same time, I was so self obsessed with my own life, I could have been completely oblivious of what was going on then because. I know that these girls were getting weighed every single week. And, you know, you're talking about a girl yeah. who's 5'10 and weighs 118 pounds. It's like, come on, man. That's yeah. not really the healthiest uh, yeah. person in the world, right? And um, no, I'm sorry. That, that's crazy. And do you, I mean, so, I mean, that right there, shit, just the struggle of remaining like, listen, and especially Japan, you're talking about one of my favorite foods, you know, my favorite cuisines in the world. So it's like, yeah, there's so much great food <laughs> in the world and, and, and you can't even go eat it without having to be like, oh, fuck, was, I feel guilty. Um, I mean, it was it was really sad for me over time because I, I think I started to realize that it was a problem. And, you know, I would go home for Thanksgiving and I would have the worst day ever because I'd be so anxious about everything. You know, I'd be anxious about going out to dinner with my friends. I'd be anxious about getting drinks with people. I'd be anxious about how many steps I took every day, weighing myself, taking pills. Like, it was, it was a whole thing. Um, but, you know, I think that with kind of realizing that this is a problem where it stems from it it's very different for everyone but I think for me specifically it stemmed from me not being comfortable with myself um and me kind of convincing myself that if I could just become anyone but me then I would make sense to the world and I I really equated my happiness or who I thought I was I thought that we needed to let the world tell us who we are um and that whatever, you know, reaction we got from society was a reflection of who we must be. So I wanted to be perfect and I wanted to strive for that. But, you know, now I'm realizing more than ever that it's our duty to tell the world who we are and to show that in the most honest way possible. And then that's going to lead us to connecting with the right people and having the most, uh, the most fulfilled life, you know? Listen, you're totally correct. And also listen, uh, fuck society, right? Just, just so you yeah, know, dude. straight up more than anything, right? I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm 30 pounds overweight and by like the health standard, right? I think I might be maybe like 20 or something, but I'm saying like, I'm, this is not ever for the last couple of years, I'm not used to being this, but at the same time, I do feel more comfortable and someone like, no, fuck that. Get your ass in gear. I'm like, no, no dog. My mental space is way more important than the physical part yeah. of whatever. But that being said, you know, I want you to, to know this and you seem like you do. It is good to have a good support system, whether you have a husband, boyfriend, um, girlfriend, whoever the fuck it is, family, whatever it may be, to tell you, hey, listen, Lauren, you're beautiful. I think you're dope. I think everything about you is great. And you should just, you know, boom. That is definitely helpful. But if in your own side, in your own mind, that you're battling and struggling in your own mind, that you don't feel like you're perfect, listen, that's where the fucking problem lies. So listen, I, maybe next time I see you, I might have to get like, you know, 
into a domestic like I might have to just maybe slap you or something and be like, listen, you're fucking, you're totally <laughs> fucking fine. Like, seriously, stop. All right, Ben, say that, say that publicly now. <laughs> I'm joking. So, no, but it, it's real, you know? And um, yeah, me personally, for my anxiety, I didn't know where it lied. Uh, I spoke about this um, pretty recently on the show and uh, I went to every doctor. I At one point in the 90s, I thought I had HIV. And I was like, you know what? That's what it is. It has to be. You know what I mean? I got my dick sucked and, and it must be that. And boom. And I went to the doctor and finally the doctor goes, hey, listen, I got your test results back. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you don't have it. He goes, do me a favor too. He goes, I can no longer take you on as a client anymore. I've seen bad hypochondria. He's like, but you are really at the point where you're disrupting our business and it's a waste of your money. And um, please don't come back here anymore because I thought I had everything. I thought I had, I thought I had yeah. everything because I had so much. I was like, so something's wrong. Maybe here. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should go work out. And then I go work out. I'm like, wait a second. My blood pressure's up. And people are like, your blood pressure's up because you're fucking working out, you dumbass. You're, you're exerting yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. So I really went crazy. There was a point in time. Where, and at the same time, it didn't help that I was doing drugs and I was doing anything else. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm at peace with myself now. The only thing yeah. I think that where my anxiety lies now, and I think that the answer lies in the fact that I'm not the healthiest uh, physical fitness that, that I could be in. And I think that's where a majority it lies in. But yeah. at the same time, I've seen people that are bigger than me and they've practiced yoga, they've practiced meditation and their mind is so strong that it's literally taken over their body and everything else. And it yeah. has taken over their their blood pressure, their oxygen and take everything. It's something I do want to do. I just, no matter how yeah. fucking people think like, listen, bro, you're the most aggressive, abrasive, crazy person in the world. Okay, that doesn't mean I still can't fucking practice meditation. You know, I just it's something I want to do. It's I don't know if you've thought about it, but um, Yeah, yeah. I um I you know, in kind of like recovering from the my old mindset and stuff too, I've really started to focus on exercising and weightlifting to become strong and also yoga. Um, and that's it helped me immensely. I think that once I started to gain muscle and feel stronger. Um, and to embrace that part of myself, it's helped me so much. And it's, it's so cool that you, um, you know, are able to talk about your journey with anxiety. It's really going to help so many people. I think it's going to help with what you're saying too, because I think women, especially young women, and I think, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, young women don't understand that it's all right to let somebody know. Sometimes people think, you know, you're like, oh, they're going to yeah. think you're weird if you say that. No, nah, man, you know, it's, I think it's so common now. Think about in like 96, that's when I first got my first anxiety attack. I was like, why the fuck? Actually, you know what? It might have been like 94. And then I was like, you know what? It must be from Coke. So I stopped doing Coke. And then I just realized, you know, like withdrawal things. And you don't know why certain things are this way or that way. And, you know, uh, too much caffeine. Who knows? Adrenaline. It could be a lot of things. And and uh, I discuss it now because, look, man, a lot of people have it. But I don't want to tell people what to do or how to feel. But I do want to tell people, be strong. Fight. You know what I'm saying? Every day is a new day. And don't let it take over your life. That's what you don't want yeah. to do. You can never let it Absolutely. win. Never let it win yeah. ever. Listen, don't ever let it disrupt yourself. You know, there's been times where like, you know what? Nah, dude, I need to stay my ass in. And when it's that time, cool. But if it becomes a habit, then you're starting to let anxiety beat you and you can't let anxiety win. Yeah. We always have to beat anxiety. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely times when I slip and it gets really hard for me and I just have to, uh, I'm getting better at recognizing it and attacking it because there's things we can do. And I think that, you know, I never talked about it before because I was so afraid that that was going to be what defined me. And that would be like what people know me no, for. Man, you're tripping. Um, and I just don't want anyone to feel that way. You know, I don't want anyone to feel that the struggles they're going through is going to take away from their dreams, the things they want to do or the relationships they want to have. 
Uh, right. Because I think that being honest with yourself and others is only going to amplify all those other things you want to do. Oh, my God. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, going on and going forward now, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, where do you see, I mean, I know you're still young, but where do you see yourself in five years or even in 10 I, years? Oh, shit. I don't, <laughs> man, it's really hard to say. I mean, I do have dreams of like things that I want to do. It's been my lifelong dream to make a movie, uh, to make like an animated movie uh, has always been the one thing that I uh, wanted to chase after and learn about. Um, you literally live in know, animation. It, huh? You live in animation. It's crazy. Yes. <laughs> fucking nuts. I didn't um, know that. So why not do it? Five years is... A, is yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually... Uh, I started a project um, and I've been writing. That's kind of been my focus of this last year. Um, has been really like thinking about different stories and ideas and things that I want to build out and kind of learning about that process more. And I think that through acting, which I started recently, that's really motivated me even more to lean into that process because I, um, it's a beautiful collaboration that happens between people. And I think that illustration was something that was always so solitary for me and something that I did alone in my room. Um, but it's really incredible to be able to bring these ideas you have by yourself to a team of people to see that come to life. And I no. think more than anything, I want to, um, to express the things, you know, to, to say what I want to about life in a variety of ways, whether it's through installations or movies or collaborations with other people or through illustrations, comics. Um, I really want to keep pushing myself to explore, to not be afraid to explore those things. Right. So let me, let me re-ask the question in a different way. Yes. Where would you like to be 10, oh, year, yeah. 10 years from now? Oh my God. I, I would love to have my own production studio. I think that would be like the big dream for me um, to be able to have a place in which I can bring to life all these different ideas with a team of people that I really trust and um, we all believe in each other. I think that is my big goal is to kind of spread that, you know, that love for life in that way. Um, I guess that, that for me is how I kind of am thinking about happiness um, is to be able to not be afraid of ex to saying the things I want to and expressing that. And that's good. You're saying team when pretty much if anyone listens to this right now, it seems like you're very independent and, and you, you like to be with yeah. yourself. You like to be with yourself a lot. You know what I mean? So team, that's good. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm growing and learning a lot. And I think what I've been interested in art has changed a lot over the past couple of years as I've tried new projects. So for right now, like, honestly, I have no idea where I'm going to end up because I love acting as well. Um, I really do. And I love just drawing by myself in my room. I could see myself doing that for the rest of my life and being very, very satisfied. That's awesome. But, you know, I, I think my dream includes me kind of pushing myself to do something I just don't think I can do but want to do. I mean, one of my dreams is to do absolutely nothing and just watch movies and, and get high and drink water and just sit back that and kick I'm it. I'm so and, happy and, for you and, right now. And, and be my kid. So like right now, I'm like paradise because I never get a chance to just breathe and just relax. I mean, I got three kids who are going crazy upstairs right yeah. now, but like, you know, that you can't hear them because I'm in the studio. But uh, with you saying that now, if you had to narrow down, you just, you had to, there's a gun at your head and you had to narrow down to one career. Would it be acting or would it be drawing? I mean, now acting and modeling would be the same thing. I'd put that in the same category, but what would it be between those two? Uh, drawing. <laughs> With oh. a gun to my head, I'm probably drawing. <laughs> um, I think that acting for me has been uh, the, the thing that I love so much and have been drawn to recently because I never felt that 
I could be a performer or express things in that way. But it's something that I'm, you know, I really loved doing as a child and I had always wanted to do. But I think that's another thing, too, that we've talked about a little bit um, is kind of I was too embarrassed to say that I wanted to, to act growing up because I felt like someone like me could not be an actress. Damn. Someone who I don't know, I just I had so many assumptions and that's really my fault. But I think also uh, growing up, you know, I, I just didn't see myself as ever being someone that could be a main character or someone that could be the face of, you know, strength or anything. Um, I think that the media is changing a lot to be much more inclusive to different voices and different faces. But I think that, you know, when I was in Japan, I didn't necessarily feel that lack of um, potential there. Uh, But I think that in the States, you know, I, I, I think it matters a lot to not, uh, you know, see people that look like you do in the media and to just not think that you, are going to be um, the center of something like that or that you could be. Right. I remember the first time going to Korea and I'm like, yo, there's nothing but Korean food everywhere. You go to the mall, it's Korean food. You go here, all I see is Korean food. This is fucking crazy. And it was actually more weird to me than it is me walking around. I don't know. I kind of like being, you know, well, there's so many fucking Asians now, but um, tell me about Terrace House (laughs) because you went to Japan. Yeah, yeah. um, So that was an interesting process because I had grad, so I applied to the show I found this audition on Facebook, actually, which was like this general casting call for like a Netflix reality show, nondescript, people 18 to 30, single. I was like, okay, shit, I'm single, I'm 18. That was after I decided I wasn't going to RISD, so I promised myself that I was going to do everything that I was afraid of or that didn't feel like, I don't know, I was just, I was so inspired and had so much energy to try everything. Um, so I applied to that and got on, but after I moved to Japan, I, I, I got the notice that they, uh, wanted me to be on the show and they were shooting it in Hawaii. So I moved back to Hawaii, uh, for about half a year and I shot the show and it was, it was incredible. I mean, that was the first, yeah. Real quick. You have to understand my, my, the demographic of listeners I have is such, I have the most widest spectrum in the entire world, but I also have a lot of fucking savage animals who have no fucking idea and don't know a lot about so i'm just curious yeah yeah, could you explain what this really is like yes so terrace house is uh a lot of people say it's kind of like the japanese real world um but it's it's extremely slow paced uh it's very it's a very wholesome show i think it's very innocent it follows the lives of six people living together in a house um and kind of their relationships as they entangle with each other and work on you know their dreams outside of those relationships so it's really a show that focuses on the entire lives of six people in the house um so you're one of the six obviously so i was one of yeah there's three boys three girls and we all live together and there's a lot of relationships but there's also a lot of uh you know struggles with friendship and with work and people everyone's on a different path of like what they want to um, accomplish in their lives. So it's really interesting. I, it was an incredible opportunity for me because I mean, like when else are you going to get the opportunity to live with six people from completely different walks of life like that? Oh, so, so they weren't all Um, Asian then? Uh, everyone, yeah, everyone was Asian. I think there's a girl on the season now who's Russian or something. Maybe I'm not sure because I haven't watched the newest season yet, but, um, there were in my season, there were three people from Hawaii and three people from Japan I think that was how it was balanced. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was the only one that wasn't uh, Japanese or like a native Japanese speaker. Oh, you know, actually, my friend Avian, she is she she's, she speaks Japanese fluently. Yeah. 
I mean, as far as color wise, they're all yellow. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. All Asian people. And, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I have a few friends who are on on the actual real world. My uh, two friends were on the first one, second episode. I have friends who were on different ones. I had a reality show. I've been on a, on a reality show that was like not similar to that, but like stupid shit. I've been around it. I get it. My question is, and I'm crass, so don't please don't take me for just because I'm oh, a no, sad. Dude, say say what I mean, you need to say. <laughs> so how long how long did the season? How long did you guys film for? It uh. I think so. I was on there for about five to five and a half months shooting. Um, and then the way it works is when someone leaves, someone else replaces them of oh. the same gender. Okay, so, so, you, so like you, if I leave, then a new girl replaces me. So everyone kind of like leaves the house at different times whenever they feel like it's right for them to leave. So some people only stay for like a couple months, some people stay for a really long time. Some people, I, I stayed for like a pretty long time, but not the longest. Um, were you and guys they speaking? Just keep going. Were you speaking English or Japanese on the show? I was I was speaking both. Uh, Japanese mostly. Like the producers did say that they wanted me to speak as much Japanese as I could, so I did my best um, to speak Japanese. But then I also spoke in English with the people that could. But there are people who don't speak English at all, so that was full Japanese. Okay, and so was there like were the people having sex on the show? Was there like uh, people I mean, hooking up people, or people do stuff privately probably, but oh, no was, one was, it wasn't uh, on the no show then. Like, oh, there yeah, was no, no like, it, it's not crazy like that. They, okay. they I'm just curious. I have no idea. Kissing sometimes. Yeah. It's super innocent. So basically it's like a <laughs> Japanese drama. If you've ever watched one, um, I've never watched one. it's, it's pretty slow. So there'll be like a shot. So it takes like 30 minutes to set up for any shot too. It's not like dudes with cameras running around and shit. It's, uh, it's really high quality. It's like beautiful. All right, I gotta check um, it out. The way that they, yeah, I, I rec- it it's it's a good, ooh, it's a good quarantine watch for so, sure. So your your um your overall like feeling about the show is that you liked it and what how, what it what it represented. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that for me at the time, I had so much anxiety <laughs> with the way that people viewed me, and I was so unconfident in that that I think that caused me to question a lot of the things that I did and said, and was very stiff on camera a lot of the time. Um, you know, I did the the exact thing I shouldn't do, which is I read like the Reddit thread about the show of oh, people discussing man. it. Yeah, dude, I know. Bad. Never don't read recommend Reddit anyone to do it. Anything. But also I was alone in Japan by myself, so I went down that hole. Shit. Um, yeah, there were a lot it. of people definitely discussing um, you know, me on the show, and I think I was like a very polarizing character on the show, um, because there are a lot of people who really did not like me and a lot of people who did like me a lot. Why did they um, like you though? What like what did you portray on the show? I don't understand. Like what was your Um I mean there were some scenarios in which um I definitely I think that could come off as being like very short with people um and being <laughs> very yeah being very in my head um and being very uh I I think I had a lot of trouble with the language barrier too. I'm I'm awkward. I think that's something I'm just coming to terms with about myself as like a personality trait <laughs> for me. Um but I think that you know being the way that I am sometimes. And I was young too. I was 18. So I definitely like, I didn't know, I wasn't like as conscious of, I just didn't know as much as I know. Of course. Four I mean, years you're later. Yeah. You know, you're a kid, you're a kid now, but you, you, you definitely, house, so. look, you're like the yeah. most grown up 22 year old person I know in the world. Like literally, oh my God. you are so, so much. You are so groomed and polished in so many ways. I can't, I just so, I'm excited for you to hit another five years oh, in your you. life and everything. When I first met you, I was like, who? No offense. Look, don't ever take, don't even, t- I'm really, again, I'm brash and I'm just, I'm, I, I blurt things out. But like when, um, when Ben and all the guys that, you know, at, at DesignerCon were like, hey, you should yeah. meet this girl. She has a Medicom thing. I was like, she has, she has a bear. What? And I was like, who? I, I never heard this girl in my fucking entire life. <laughs> and um, 
it was funny because we have so many mutual friends I didn't know about. And like, I mean, actual friends, right? And I saw yeah. you and I was like, I was like, this chick? And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And you were so witty and so like, I, I can't think of the other, not sassy, not smirk, I don't, but it was fucking funny. And I was like, yo, <laughs> I will beat the shit out of this girl. She's fucking hilarious. I like, would have been rude. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you were like, but you were being rude in a nice way, like like funny. And I laughed and I was like, oh shit. And I was, first of all, I, was, I, was, I couldn't believe you even knew who I was, which is funny. So if you hadn't been like such a little like, I hate, no, don't take this in a, in a derogatory way. If you weren't such a weirdo. Oh, no, no. If you weren't such a weirdo, I probably wouldn't fuck with you as heavy. I like, I really was like, you made a great impression on me. Oh, well, that means so, a lot. Um, so, like, we're getting down to the last few questions, right? And, and I was just curious. So, if your paintings, right? You you paint, you art, yeah. you draw. Now, let's say your art was to hit like a million dollars per painting. Okay. Shit. Like yeah. what? Yeah. What, what? Like think about Brian. He, you know, it was like not yeah. that far ago, and it just. So, what do you think? Like, what would you do? If your art would hit like those type of levels, would you you think you'd go out and buy a bunch of shit? Would oh, you just? What would I do? I mean, I because it is my dream to kind of like build my own. I would love to you know spend some money to invest in my own company because I do have like the official companies called Unreal, um, in which I you know do everything under. Right. Um, so I mean, I'd love to invest in that to kind of expand like what I'm able to do and expand like the studio space and buy uh, new equipment to use and stuff. But I'm you know, I, I really hope to be able to, to give a lot of that back to people, to things that I believe in. <laughs> right. Um, like with the, you know, the book that I put out last time, I'm, uh, donating half the profits of that, uh, to this organization in Hawaii that deals with sex trafficking. So, I mean, it's really nice to have that money to do that, but I guess I'm trying to save up for the things in life too, that I would like for myself one day, like to be able to buy a house or to be able to buy an apartment and be able to, you know, have money to travel and see my family. That's kind of, I don't really want, I mean, I, I like, I would like to buy art. I guess I would like to buy art too. But besides, besides, besides <laughs> that, what I'm buy saying food. is you don't yeah. have like, you don't have a, like, you're not into Hermes bags. You're not into like, you don't want a fucking crazy Bentley or, or car like that and like that, right? You're just. No, I mean, I, I, I do treat myself sometimes like on my birthday or whatever, I'll buy something. Um, or if I make, uh, you know, if I get a good job, I'll treat myself to like a really nice dinner to celebrate because I think that's important too. It's right. important to like take time to be proud of yourself because it's so easy to just jump into the next thing. For sure. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, one thing that I'm trying to change in my life too is that I think, you know, especially with what everything, with the environment and stuff, I think the world is uh, begging us to stop wanting so much all the time for ourselves and for... Okay, uh, like let's just put that hypothetically you, yeah. you you get this uh you know you sell a painting for like 2.3 million yeah. let's just say right yeah and so you have this money you go do your philanthropy work you do your donations you do everything else whatever right and you have paid yeah. your taxes so you you have a lump sum right like yeah and there's no i was gonna say sars there's no coronavirus or covid existence anymore there's a vaccine there's no issues anything right and now pretty much you have a bag packed where are you going? Like, where is your destination? Where's your favorite destination? If you say Japan oh, or Hawaii, shit. I'm going to stab you. I <laughs> don't fucking say that. No, I, oh, I would like you to stab me. So, <laughs> well, I, I think, shh, I, I mean, I've always wanted, so this is kind of weird, but Lithuania um, has been like fuck? my dream. Yeah, I know. It's been my dream to go to Lithuania. And uh, since I was like, 12 probably why one of my friends is actually i know right like (laughs) my one of my one of my close friends is lithuanian and he lives like very close to where you live right now which is crazy but okay so why yeah so when i was 12 i saw the movie howl's moving castle for the first time you know that like studio ghibli movie yeah 
Um, and there's this this scene of this like giant, beautiful field of flowers. And that I don't know why, but those visuals moved me so much. And the music and the I think I watched that movie like f- like four times the first day that I saw it. I just cried my eyes out. I was like a little kid because I thought that's Lauren, life, that's gonna, love, that's. I think you're going to go there, and about 48 hours later, you're going to want to kill. Like, listen, get me the fuck out of here. Please give me a second alternate anyways, location. Yeah. So I. I was Googling online because I was like, okay, you know, this has to exist in the world. I'm going to visit somewhere like this one day. And I found this like tourism video of Lithuania on YouTube. Um, I was like, I was really into YouTube when I was 12. I would post like fucking like speed paints of my characters and um, making like animations and stuff. But I, uh, yeah, that was my dream. Since I saw that, I saw this like tourism video for Lithuania and there was a field that looked exactly like that. And I was like, one day I'm going to go there. Um, the end everyone yeah i know i know i'm the worst i know i know everyone's logging off (laughs) everyone probably (laughs) logged off when i started talking about like i don't know (laughs) but i was like hey what's up ben yeah (laughs) they're like (laughs) these guys are like listen man where are the big i'm just no in fact you know what let me stop jesus christ because all these guys want me to interview like porn stars and one of my boys is one of the most famous porn directors but it's like one, I'm not going to handle fucking porn star in my fucking studio, one. Number two, I, I mean, it, it, not saying that it can't happen, especially now with the FaceTime videos like we're doing. But uh, anyways, let's fucking drop all that. Do you have a favorite artist? Like, you know, someone like, like an actual artist, oh. like an actual living or dead? Yeah, um, there's this guy, Cornelius, who makes these really incredible um, paintings. I don't know, they, they look like digital paintings. Um, there's also this artist named Aya Takano. I think it's Takano. Um, she's incredible. I think she might have done something with Kai Kai Kiki. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um, Maybe, who knows? I'm trying to think of other artists that I love. Is um, there an artist that has passed away that, that you like? Oh, um, Satoshi Kon, that director. Um, he passed away recently. Don't know him. Um, he, uh, his, his work is just absolutely incredible. Um, it's really sad that he is gone, but I think he was really a visionary in the way that he you know, told stories and, uh, his art is just, it's insane. Uh, it's really a big inspiration for me. Also Jinji Ito. Um, he's like a horror comic book artist. I think you'd really like his stuff. Um, (laughs) I'm actually going to check this shit out. Yeah. The the visuals are like pretty insane. Okay. So look, Um, we're we're getting down to like, there's like one question left. Right. And and it's the most random funniest thing. It's the funniest shit ever because me you talked about this just randomly last week. All right, Ben. <laughs> okay. Please tell the people of Behind the Baller what your opinion is of OnlyFans pages. Oh, dude. <laughs> you... If you well, don't want to talk about it, I, I, I can delete I, it. I know, that, I know that the podcast is going good for you, but I also know that you stream all your showers now. <laughs> um, I'm... I know we're both sitting here in Walmart nightgowns, I guarantee. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing, ba- I'm wearing babe camel Holy swim Bands. trunks and a Tyler and Creator. Crocs. Yeah, dude, I saw yeah, your story. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're both ascending. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, no, it's, it's, it's fucking incredible if it can pay your bills. I think that, you know, if, if you are comfortable doing that and it's something you want to do, I think it's really wonderful. I think that it's cool that people are kind of losing the like stigma about stuff like that. But I think, uh, it's different for everyone it's really like whatever you want to do in 2020 porn is still fucking mosaic in japan it's fucking nuts you know what i mean like it's crazy crazy. that's crazy you still can't see a fucking uh um you can't see the tip of a penis or or it's just crazy it's so insane like it's still i don't know but even though there's so much crazy sex shit that goes on in japan anyways going on uh the final question of this interview 
everyone who's been on my show, the last question is, is there anything you'd like to ask me or is there anything you want to know about me? Oh, dude, I wish I could have thought about that question. <laughs> what do I, you know, what no do, one gets what, a chance. What does someone want to know about Ben Baller? What I don't does know. someone want to know? Everyone's um, had a different thing. Oh, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious actually. This is this is going to disappoint all your fans and it's a boring ass question. Um, but do you cook then? I'm like really interested to know that. All right, how funny is this? During this quarantine thing, I um was <laughs> just making some basic ramen, right? Literally making ramen. And um the way I had it was like there's a method to it, you know, especially cuz I like noodles al dente, so I don't like them like super soggy and whatever else. And my wife was like she videotaped me and put on her story and put on her Facebook. And she's like, this is the first time in fucking 10 years that I've ever seen you in the kitchen cooking anything. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with cooking. I would make fried rice. I would watch, you know, like, like different cooking shows and things like that. And um, there was that guy, that guy, I don't remember, you might be too young to remember Emeril Lagasse. He was like a really famous cook in the 90s and Oh, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. And um, my cousin, who was my best friend at the time, we haven't spoke, is weird. And uh, he uh, heard, he had, heard he had a disc in his back. So he was out, he had to lay in the bed for two months and he stayed in the hospital, stayed at home. So we watched a lot of cooking channels and we used to cook a lot. And I've always been, I mean, I love culinary shit, right? I love food. I love everything about it. I've never actually when executed going on, like trying to be a cook or a chef, but I've been around a lot of kitchens and I've seen things and whatever. And in my mind, I know it sounds crazy. It's not like, oh, it's easier, you know, just because I could see it. But in my mind, I really do truly believe because of the things that I've created with my hands, from not just jewelry, but whatever else stuff and clothes and things. And I've cooked before. So no, I mean, I can make anything basic and whatever. And I, I kind of know if once it's just, I hate making, you know, cleaning up after the mess, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, yeah for sure. well, if, if there's no issue, then yeah. I mean, if it's like, Ooh, now's the chance. Yeah. You know, fuck it. I might mess around and, and use some Get of this some corn quarantine eats. food. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Lauren, I want to say thank you so much for being so honest and transparent and um, deep uh, about your life and on your very personal and uh, I do consider you a friend and I really can't explain how much I appreciate you coming on behind the baller and and uh, just discussing about your life and everything oh my gosh thank you so much Ben um, well you're the best and thank you for yeah thank you for having me this is really great all right hey uh, Miles uh, can you throw some of that Lakey Lake on here Like I said, man, listen, I'm ready to travel. Even if it's by fucking car. I just need to get the fuck out this bitch. I really wonder how long this shit is going to last. I can't stop thinking about it. Meanwhile, the days are so slow, right? And cabin fever is hitting everyone. And the way that people are dealing with it is Instagram Live. By the way, Instagram, you need to get your shit together, man. Motherfuckers, uh, Wi-Fi is, is on point, right? If you could stream 4K TV off 10 Mbps, or was it even 15, 20 Mbps? Listen, Instagram Live should not be fucking patchy and looking all crazy like his dial-up Wi-Fi, you know, internet. That's some bullshit, especially a motherfucker like me that got an average fucking... Listen, even in the man cave, I got 100 mbps right certain parts got 300 some parts got 100 i don't even know first of all google wi-fi listen what's up with this mesh wi-fi everything's supposed to be you know and on top of that spectrum 
I'm paying for a fucking gigabyte. I'm paying for a thousand up, a thousand down. Stop playing. Um, Instagram Live is popping. There's DJs doing fucking virtual clubs right now. There's DJ battles. There are producer battles, which uh, I watched a little bit of the Swiss Beats versus Timberland beat battle. It was cool, you know. Uh, Tory Lane's been having a good time on Instagram Live. He's having chicks twerk. He had fucking uh, Chris Brown on there. He had Bieber on there. Speaking of Bieber, yo, Justin Bieber is on live like four times a day now. Motherfucker singing. Yeah, I can tell he's going crazy. And then I'm a motherfucker like I, I could just tell. But everyone's on live, right? I won't lie, man. It's been decent entertainment, especially yo, Boosie. This motherfucker, his live has to be the best thing ever, right? He's giving girls $100 to $1,000 to show their pussy. I mean, they busting it wide open for him. And uh, um, on the whole other spectrum, we got Jared Leto going on live to bless the world with his um, facial baby face, his fucking skin tear routine with his fucking aloe vera. I don't know what the fuck he's got going on. Anyways, um, besides Jared Leto's live, IG Live has helped me pass time. Um, I'm on there interacting with you guys, interacting with fans all over the world from fucking North Dakota to fucking Auckland, I mean, to fucking New Zealand, to goddamn, to Indonesia, to Bali, all over the fucking place. And it helps a lot of us just take our mind off the realness and laugh at shit, right? Because silence these days is scary, right? Silence was a luxury a few months ago. In fact, silence could be a luxury a little bit sometimes because I got fucking a bunch of kids in the house, but... Now, silence will fuck with my head, you know? Um, let's talk about some entertainment because there's obviously no sports going on. That shit's driving me crazy as well. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion over Tiger King. I forgot to mention it on last week's, uh, on, on the weekend wrap-up, but I, I watched it, and then I, I watched two episodes. I turned that shit off, right? And so Tiger King is on Netflix, and I won't lie, three episodes in, like, this is the second time I've watched this. I started it, and it was slow as a motherfucker. And then I got to the end of the second episode and I was like, yo, bro, this show is trash. But everyone keeps saying, this shit is the best. Oh, man, it's the best fucking thing to happen. The fuck is going, man, people are just losing their fucking minds. And they really are losing their minds, though. So I restarted it and now I finished three episodes and um, everyone says, oh, man, just keep waiting. Just wait. It gets crazy. Look, dicks. Shit should get crazy at the very latest by 30 minutes, all right? I'm like fucking two hours deep and ain't shit happened, all right? Except the fucking menage a trois amongst three fucking ugly ass white dudes. Like, listen, I know in the second episode someone's arm got bitten off, but listen, it would have been a, a lot better if I actually got to see the fucking tiger bite the arm off. I don't know, man. I'm just like, I'm over white trash shit, all right? I, I'm, I'm gonna keep going, Okay. And uh, I'm just waiting for fucking Bosch to get back on the air in April. I'm literally dying for Bosch to get back. I'm so fucking sad. There's one more season after this, and, and who fucking knows? But Bosch is my, man, one of my favorite shows ever. Um, All American is finally on Netflix. It uh, First season was Netflix only. Then it went to CW, which makes no sense. I guess it was money. And then it, finally now it's on Netflix. Um, first season was good, even though it is a high school show. It's about my old high school, Beverly Hills High. All right, which I went to for about a year and a half. But it's entertaining. Um, again, Hunters, I don't know, I turned that shit off too. And I want to like it, you know what I mean? I fuck with Pacino. Uh, 000 got my attention on Amazon. 
I, I need to, to finish that up. Um, Onward, for all you parents out there who have kids, Onward just came out um, a couple weeks ago in theaters, but obviously theaters are closed. So they decided, Pixar decided they're going to make it available on stream. So I bought it for my kids and we got a bunch of snacks and we had a family movie day in the man cave, threw on the fucking sound, uh, shout out to Sonos. And we had it fucking cracking in there and my kids loved the movie. This was like a few days ago. Um, by the way, every fucking day feels like 5 p.m. Literally. 8 a.m., 10 p.m., feels like 5 p.m. on a fucking Sunday, period. I watched The Invisible Man, um, which is also still supposed to be in theaters, right? Still, st- It's supposed to still be in theaters, but I don't know. Invisible Man was cool. I, I began it, and then Ryder got real scared, so I had to wait to have like a little special date night with my wife. And uh, I know they were saying, like, hey, there's going to be a lot of babies after this shit is, uh, this quarantine is over. Motherfucker, I ain't, I ain't having no kids. You already fucking know. But uh, we still got to get our, our time in, you know. Anyways, um, I think I'm going to use Lauren Tsai's method of learning a new language. She gave me some game on these books and stuff, and I'm going to go on the internet and everything. I'm going to figure this shit out because I got a gang of fucking time coming up, right? And I need to fucking stimulate my mind. I actually need to exercise my mind because um, as much information that, that is stored in there, I need to delete some of the shit that's in there, and I need to brush up. First off, I need to brush up on my hangamal, right? And uh, that's my Korean. Because my Korean is at a six-year-old's level, right? I understand shit, but I'm just saying. Then maybe I'm going to learn Japanese. And then maybe French. You know, you never know how long this shit is going to last. So, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I do got some sports news. Not real sports, but my Topps baseball card collab dropped yesterday and I really couldn't warn you guys or give you guys any hints about it or any, any I couldn't leak it because uh, the MLB is like real serious, right? By the way, I got a fucking interview on MLB.com, which is crazy, uh, Major League Baseball. But, you know, I collected cards as a kid. Um, my kids collect Pokemon cards. It's starting to get a little bit into baseball cards, but I'm away a little bit more to like London turns 10 and I'm gonna get them into cards. That was a big part of my childhood, you know, baseball cards, basketball cards and stuff. And uh, my collab, I, I dropped the first car, which is uh, Ichiro Suzuki. And, uh, you know, they gave me a list of people. And when it came down, I was like, fuck this. We want to drop the Asian dude first, right? So I designed the card and everything. And uh, it's been selling very well. The artist proof card sold out in five minutes. I think one of the other ones is sold out as well. But uh, the artist proofs were $99, all right, for a baseball card. It's, it's pretty crazy. They're dope. I bought one. Well, actually, I didn't, the fucking artist proof sold out in five minutes, so I didn't get one of those, but I got the regular card coming. If you want to know about baseball cards, Gary V, motivational business speaker, everything else. Uh, Gary V did a great episode on baseball cards and how, like, when you only got two thousand dollars to invest, they're actually a better investment than stocks and things, right? So I don't know, man. Go check out Gary V's uh, um, episode on baseball cards. But yeah, man, I was asked by Tops to be a part of their project 2020. Uh, Tops is the biggest baseball company biggest baseball card company to design, um, you know, baseball cards, whatever. Anyways, I got asked to redesign 20 classic cards. Uh, each player is iconic. And uh, I basically, I re- redesigned their rookie cards to my liking, right? Like, how do I explain this? The way I designed these cards, and this shit took some time, right? Like, I've been doing a lot of shit while you guys, this is all during a lockdown, by the way. And, um, how do I describe this shit, man? It's uh, 
I kind of modernized these cards, right? Especially the older ones, right? I just gave it like a Blade Runner-ish modern aesthetic, right? And when I say Blade Runner, I ain't talking about fucking Ryan Gosling, all right? I'm talking about motherfucking Ridley Scott, one of the greatest directors ever, who directed motherfucking Gladiator and fucking Russell Crowe. I ain't talking about no motherfucking... Ryan Gosling is dope. I'm just saying, not the new Blade Runner. But anyways, um, the players, the cards that I uh, designed, um, I did... Willie Mays, his 1952 rookie card. Jackie Robinson, 1952 rookie card. Sandy Koufax, which is the only... Well, actually, Jackie Robinson was fucking uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, anyways, Sandy Koufax, 1955. Ricky Henderson, I fucking love that fool. 1980, uh, Bob Gibson, 1959. Ken Griffey Jr., 1989. When that card drops, I'm going to be real with you. That motherfucking card is going to fly. Motherfuckers love some Ken Griffey Jr., um, Nolan Ryan, 1969 rookie card. Don Mattingly, uh, 1984 rookie card. Of course, I did Ichiro, 2001 rookie card, who I think that Ichiro is better than Godzilla. Sorry. Uh, Mariano Rivera, 1992 rookie card. Cal Ripken, 1982 rookie card. Tony Gwynn, San Diego legend, 1983 rookie card. George Brett, I used to fuck with George. I used to fuck with the Royals because the fucking same color as the Dodgers. George Brett rookie card, 1975. Mike Trout, 2011. Uh, he's making some noise. Mark McGuire, 1987. Uh, Frank Thomas, 1990. That motherfucker's a beast. Uh, Dwight Gooden, aka Doc Gooden, 1985 rookie card. Roberto Clemente, 1955 rookie card. Ted Williams, 1954 rookie card. And I can't really speak about it right now, but obviously one of the most famous Yankees of our era, if not one of the greatest ever. Uh, there's some issues about it, but I can't say his name. But anyways, I think that's going to happen. And he'll probably be the fastest sold out one, but I did a dope ass job on him. Um, anyways, my factory is officially closed down. So even if I wanted to grab something from my desk or anything, I couldn't because there's a security guard along with a police officer in the lobby of my fucking jewelry factory. So with that said, um, I got Jay Balvin asking me two times a day on WhatsApp, once a day on iMessage, and once on either FaceTime or call every day, what's going on? Because Jose don't live in the real world, all right? He still thinks that I'm working on his pieces, and I, and I wish I was, Okay. No bullshit. All right. Jose, I love you to death. But you you just you your life is too good. All right. And uh one reason why I don't like talking about jewelry on the show, or really even when I talk to other people, because I, I you know, reason why I don't like talking about jewelry that much is because like literally I'm the will hunting of the jewelry game. All right. This shit is so easy to me. Okay. When it comes to this shit, I can always play. All right. And I ain't talking about some Mickey Mouse basic ass Instagram jewelry. Okay. I'm talking about rearranging equations and physics and kinetic energy type shit. All right. That's the level of jewelry that I'm working on in the jewelry world. Okay. Will Hunting. You guys seen that movie, Good Will Hunting? Yeah. That's me in the jewelry game. All right. I don't do no basic ass nameplates. You know, these, these nameplate giant size joints with like dripping on it. It looks like it's dripping and shit. Like, nah, that ain't me. Anyways, with that said, great episode. 
I, I got to thank Lauren Sai once again. Um, I want everyone to stay safe. Stay sucker free. Keep washing your hands. Wash your ass. But, but don't eat ass. And I'll see you back on Monday for the weekend wrap up. Yo, Lakey Inspired. Take us out of here, bro.